0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mento LLC. Mento LLC Trade Consulting focuses on issues of duty minimization, recovery, and elimination, while also helping our clients with trade compliance issues of both the import and export nature and global cargo security. You can reach us at 978-317-3250 or email me directly at pete.mento at llc. From Washington, D.C., this is Trade Geek Podcast with your host, Pete Mento. Happy New Year, everyone. It is January the 5th, 2023. I'm Pete Mento, you're you, and this is the Trade Geek Podcast. So, first things first, it's been a bit. It's been a while. I have not been on the airwaves sharing my dopey insights with you. Now I apologize for that. There is a good reason. Uh, that reason was in my last position with Wayfair. I was discouraged from doing this podcast. Um, you know, just professionally, it didn't seem like a good idea to have me out and about talking about rates, freeform, um, and being that engaged as a consumer of logistics and a seller of logistics. I'm now with uh, Traffic Tech, really enjoying my new job and what I wanted to do as quickly as I could. um, And as I engaged with this particular company, is get back out there and talk to you about what I see going on in the world. And I'm pretty happy for it. I've missed sharing these insights with you. I've really, really missed talking about what I see going on in the world of logistics and freight and trade. And let's be honest, It's been crazy for those of you that have been following us on global trade this week, those of you that have been listening to trade school. Awesome. But it's not like this podcast on this podcast. What I've mostly done is bring on friends of mine in the business to talk about their journey and also to freeform discuss what I see happening in the world, which I think is more important now than ever given what's been happening in our industry and really economically. So I wanted to start off by saying that what I do is not witchcraft. Um, I've had a good run of of understanding what's going to happen before it does. If you look at my predictions last year, I pretty much called the Ukrainian invasion by the Russians. Uh, I picked the quarter it was going to happen. That was pretty obvious to a lot of people, myself included. But I I look at certain indexes. Some of them are kind of funny. So, um, you know, here's a great example, folks. There's the unclaimed corpse index, which is a great example of if local economies aren't doing well. If people are not claiming their loved ones' corpses, that means that folks in the lowest level of uh, the economies just aren't doing well. They don't have the money to put on funerals. There's also the men's underwear index. Guys really don't care about underwear. Most of us don't, at least. I mean, we, we just put them on. And it's the last thing that we're going to put money into because we really don't think anyone's going to see it. and We don't think anyone's going to care. The lipstick index is one where when you begin to see the sale of lipstick going up, it's a great indication that the economy is not doing well. The reason for that being that women are not able to spend a lot of money on their beauty regime. So they're spending a little bit more money on the small things. It's an interesting one, probably a little counterintuitive. There's the alligator index. The um, value of alligator skins and alligator hides goes down and the value of alligator meat goes down as well. Uh, The cost of it is going down because people are not buying alligator to make bags, uh, shoes and wallets and belts. These last two are interesting. The champagne index. We buy champagne because we're celebrating. So you would imagine that if champagne is getting less and less expensive. It means the economy is going down. Bit of a caveat on this one, though, because there were so many weddings that had been postponed. This one hasn't been as affected as we would imagine. And of course, there's the stripper index, probably my personal favorite one to watch because it's been so accurate. Exotic dancers all over New York are going to know way before anyone else whether or not the economy is not going to do well. You might wonder why. Well, These individuals are working in an industry which really depends on the free flow of bonus money and a lot of cash that's coming in from people's bonuses in the financial world. So what you're going to see is they're going to notice way before anyone else if folks are not throwing a lot of money around in their club. They're going to know 12 to 18 months before anyone else how the economy is going. All of these indexes are pointing towards things being pretty ugly over the next couple of years regarding the economy now I have been asked a lot particularly over the course of the past couple of months about what I think about the price of transportation so let's just get it out of the way there's really nothing that's going to be able to pump up rates that I can point to and let's just go over some of the obvious statistics you've got purchase orders going into China that are down 40 percent over last year You have domestic consumption in China way, way down. You have retail retail inventory in the U.S. absolutely through the roof at this point, as well as in Europe. And you have uh, blank sailings absolutely everywhere. And on top of that, you have new uh, vessels that are coming into play all over the world. You add all of that together, And it just leads someone who watches this market to understand and believe that prices only have one way to go regarding ocean freight, and that's down. Other things that can add to this, of course, is eventually there's going to be some sort of of decision that's made on the West Coast regarding labor. It's just going to happen. And when that decision is made, hopefully soon, probably at some point in the first two quarters of this year, you're going to find yourself using that supply chain again. Make no mistake, the US supply chain, meaning the actual purchase order through payment supply chain, has been built and adapted to use the West Coast ports. It's wonderful that the port of New York and New Jersey has become the largest port. A lot of that has been driven by these East Coast ports being the the port of refuge during the fear of the strike. It is more efficient and our supply chains have been built and the infrastructure has been built to use these West Coast ports. And it's going to be cheaper. And all of us know who work in this industry that cheaper prevails, right? So I'm expecting much like everyone else that as soon as this thing gets settled, we're going to see the freight begin to come back to the West Coast, which means that East Coast rates will come back to normal. So let's just be honest, folks. As long as there's no agreement on the West Coast, you're going to see inflated East Coast rates. And that's not going to be that way forever. People aren't going to use the East Coast the way they have been forever. And also, one of these ocean carriers is likely, at some point, to defect. They have been working together to maintain a level of capacity. And at some point, one of them is going to decide they're going to break ranks. They're going to defect. They're going to jump away from this decision to do it the same way that everyone else is, just to make a money grab, to try to gain some kind of market and gain some kind of opportunity. And once that happens, everyone will defect. Now, there are pockets where I'm not sure this is going to be the case, particularly in Southeast Asia, where capacity is just difficult to get. I think you're probably going to see where rates are now. There won't be much more of a fluctuation there. It's difficult. It's just going to remain difficult to find capacity out of Cambodia, out of Vietnam, out of places like Indonesia, Malaysia, certainly Thailand. So I, I think you know that's a, that's a tough market for there to be a whole lot more of opportunity if you're looking to buy, uh, buy rates. I keep telling everyone that will listen that this is a great way to remember not to put all your eggs in one basket. If you're a BCO, a beneficial cargo owner, you should never be buying more than, at this point, more than 40% of your your, um, your cargo, your container capacity um, at contract. There's just too much opportunity for bullet rates and spot rates in the market. It's going to take more work. It's going to take some time, but financially, it's just going to be worth it. I think this also puts many large companies in an opportunity to create their own freight forwarders. I had the opportunity when I was at Wayfair to see what was done with Castlegate, and it was fascinating. Where it worked, it was a beautiful thing. Where it didn't, it was regretful. But the idea and the concept is exactly what I believe will continue to be the operating model for many large companies. Where it's possible to create a platform for your suppliers to aggregate themselves and buy their own transportation, they should. And they should be encouraged to do it. And if you're a big enough company like these massive retailers, why wouldn't you offer logistics as a ride along to the rest of your services? I think we're only going to see more of it. On the trade side of things, it's going to be a rough couple of years. I don't see any reason why President Biden doesn't find a way to negotiate himself out of these tariffs that he's had in place for years now when he could have got himself out of it. But there's an opportunity for those to be um, replaced by something even worse, by sanctions on goods, all the goods that come in from China that could be um, subject to 337 sanctions, which are based on intellectual property theft. So imagine, if you will, that we're not going to have tariffs on just necessary harmonized tariff codes, but on entire industries where the U.S. government believes that state-supported theft of IP have been involved in the creation of those goods. That's likely on the table. There's been a lot of think tanks that spoke about this and wrote about it in the end of last year, in 2022. I think it's a realistic model that we could absolutely see. Um, you know, one more thing I wanted to make sure I, I talked about is what's going on in Europe. The UK is probably looking at stagflation. There's a very good chance that there could be a, um, uh, a re-voting on Brexit, that Brexit could come back. Just imagine that. They could have a, a reintroduction to the EU. Does the European Union even want them back? And and with Europe, in this financial situation facing down, uh, you know, this elongated, conflict in Ukraine, what does that mean for the rest of the world's economy? Probably America having the opportunity to come back a little quicker. It just makes logical sense. Uh, But also pressure on Russia, who depends on Europe to uh, maintain the consumption of its gas. I had a conversation with a friend of mine when I was down in Florida a few weeks ago. And he said to me, I'm not sure that Russia ever comes back from this. Is their reputation so damaged that there's no returning? I don't know. I don't know. I think that countries, particularly like India uh, and China, will always have a desire to consume their energy. So it's hard to think that they'll always be persona non grata. But this will be a tough one to come back from. I do believe that at some point near the end of this year, Russia is going to be in a position where they'll be forced to negotiate some kind of peace. And I think that the United States will put the Ukraine or Ukraine in a similar situation as well. It's only a matter of time. I am also worried about new conflicts kicking up around the world, particularly in places like Kashmir, between India and Pakistan. I think it's a real reality and I'm getting a little more concerned about it. Russia is in decline. It's just the reality. Um, and, and they fueled a lot of, of conflict over the course of the past year, but it's not the only conflict that we've seen, uh, the scarcity of energy, the scarcity of water, the scarcity of food, it causes violence around the world. So I, I think, I think we should be concerned about more of it sparking up, uh, around the world. I think we're also on the precipice of India becoming the world's most populous country and just never looking back. Um, That's only a matter of time. Some other things I've been noodling about in my head that we'll be talking about this year on this season of of the Trade Geek Podcast. This idea of, of billionaires coming together to create almost like a Manhattan Project for energy. If you have not been paying attention to the fusion project, we're at a point now where we've been able to make more energy than it takes to create nuclear fusion. This is one of the most important steps in science in the history of mankind. It would mean that we would be able to, as an example, with a cup of salt water, make enough energy to fuel an American home for 100 years. And there's a a desire and a hunger amongst some very, very powerful people around the world to make this work. It would solve most of our ecological problems. It would solve most of our financial problems. Some argue it could solve class problems if we could find a way around. I think also we're going to begin to see some some interesting moves around these these scarce materials, these conflict materials, and people's eyes being opened as to how they're being used and a desire to have new technologies fueled in the same similar manner. I'm also um, getting more and more interested in this idea of a NATO army, a European army, one that is augmented as part of NATO. So a, a trillion dollar built European army that is sort of a a once bitten twice shy attitude that is built that is not necessarily nato but is there to augment the needs of nato so i'll be bringing on some guests to talk about that as well i firmly believe that the metaverse is going to change everything about global economics uh, global politics and yes even logistics and i'll be asking some people to come on to talk to us about that as well um, and then a couple other things uh, i'd like to talk a lot about china indian opec maybe leaving the imf and agreeing to a new reserve asset a new reserve value, a new reserve currency to get rid of the the, the petrol dollar. And also uh, politically around the world, I do believe that a a Republican Congress is probably going to try to impeach President Biden. I know, of course, the Senate won't have it, but um, I think there'll just be some some political um, madness that will happen there. And um, also, I believe that there's an opportunity here for President Macron of France to resign and what that will mean for European logistics and, and trade. So I'll be talking a lot about these sorts of things. I'll be bringing on guests throughout the year for this particular season of Trade Geek. I'll be asking you, of course, if there's anything you want to learn more about or hear more about. And, um, you know, as always, writing my open letters, trying to get more people to hear and discuss what's going on in our world. It's been crazy these past couple of years. It's been nuts. But I think as things, quote unquote, slow down and get back to normal, What we ought to be doing as an industry is learning from the things that happened, applying better science, applying better technology, preparing our people for the next thing that goes wrong. Ours is an industry of never-ending evolution. Ours is an industry of never-ending problem solving. And we just went through a hell of a thing. So let's take this momentary breath, right, This, this pause. To take the lessons that we've learned and apply them to what's likely to come next. I'm really looking forward to the season. I'm I'm really looking forward to what happens next. And I'm looking forward to having you come along with me. So we'll go to my open letter next and we'll uh, we'll see you with the next episode. An open letter to the board of directors of C.H. Robinson. Wow, you guys really kicked off 2023 with a bang. It's me, your old buddy, Pete Mento. Now I know none of you remember me because I don't believe any of you were actually on the board while I was working at the good old Snowflake, but I had for a time a pretty cool position and opportunity to lead with your organization. You shook up the entire logistics industry a couple of days ago with the announcement that Bob Beasterfield, your CEO, had been asked to leave the organization. This is an industry of gossips an industry of people who love their dirty laundry," in the words of Don Henley. And you can't go on LinkedIn, or if you're like me, go on your phone and not see endless text messages of people who are speculating why it happened, but more importantly, what happens next. You are a massive corporation, and depending on who you follow on social media, I've heard everything from a combination of your company with Flexport, a merger of your company with expediters, or a divestment of many of your different units, such as the international unit. I know I don't matter. In the words of a former executive I worked with, I'm just some failed stand-up comedian with a broker's license. But I will say this, yours is a fascinating company. The amount of technology that you do have and there are many people who question whether or not it's effective, along with some of the most incredible people in this industry, give you the basis and the infrastructure to do things that other companies simply cannot. The fact that you have not overtaken many of your competitors on what is simply called destination services by allowing you to cross dock international goods and deliver them for both e-commerce and regular retail brick and mortar consumption is absolutely bonkers to me. The fact that you have not been able to create a de minimis product that dwarfs your competitors is also shocking. But most important of all, your lack of ability to overcome your competition outside the U.S. is a bit baffling to those of us who watch you. Rather than battening down the hatches, rather than doing the quote unquote Minnesota nice thing, the Midwestern thing, and playing it as absolutely close to the vest as possible. Take some advice from an old friend. Look through some of these amazing people that you have in your company and listen to them. Jordan Cass, as an example, is a person who came up with an amazing idea with TMC long before other companies even considered them. Ask him what he thinks is next. Sit down with your largest customers and listen to them and ask what they wish someone else was doing develop that. Double down on client service. One of the most refreshing things that I found working for a Midwestern company was how sincerely you cared for the people that you worked for. This is the time to innovate. This is the time to realize what is good about your company and what maybe you don't need, but more importantly to listen to the people who've been saying for the past five to ten years what you probably should have fixed in the first place. I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for you because many of the people I desperately love and care about work for your company, and I want nothing but the best for them. I'm rooting for you because you're an American behemoth. I believe in this country, and I believe in this business. I'm rooting for you because I believe that you're what's right about logistics, and I think you've still got some good rounds left in you in this fight. Good luck. Sincerely, Pete Mento, CH Robinson alumni.